0: Hello and welcome to another edition of From the Rookery End podcast, our take on life as a Watford fan. No John and no Mike on this edition, but we do have an awesome foursome. My name is Kieran. I'm joined by my three amigos, Jace. Hello there. Jordi. Hello. And DCW. Hello. And we have just come out of the ground after a 2-1 win over Crystal Palace. Chaps, that makes it the fourth time in Watford's history that we have won our opening three games first time we've done it in the premier league jace it was tense in the first half and much better second
1: yeah i think so we came out quick but not as quick as we had done i think in in the previous two games and after about 10 minutes or so palace had got into the game they were the ones creating the real chances we had ben foster making a a couple of decent saves to keep us in it we still looked like we could be threatening on the attack and we sort of had almost chances I wouldn't even say half chances perhaps I think Pereira had one at the back post that got deflected over for a corner but I think they had the better chances of the game in the first half. Half time I was a bit worried I I, I think Hodgson's a good tactician I was worried he'd pick things up and he would sort of make changes that could cause us problems but actually it was us that seemed to come out better in the second half Uh, and we were on top probably for the majority of that half.
0: Before we talk about the goals you Christian Cabaselli got man of the match but you wanted to stake a claim for Ben Foster. Do you want to talk about the first half he had and the saves that he made?
2: Yeah, I mean I think I think everyone played well today. But I think I think Ben Foster's a couple of a couple of saves that he, he kept us in it when it's nil-nil and it's when you when you come off winning you forget about all the things that happened to put you one up and it was nil-nil because of because of Ben Foster. I'm mean, to be fair, I mean Holabas and Cabaselli both put in, in very important challenges to stop what could have been very, very good opportunities for Palace. So to hold back the whole back four, but I think um, I think all all back five you include Foster. But I think I think um, Ben made a couple of really good saves, uh, especially uh, uh, that we could see them at the rookery end, <laughs> uh, which which made it even better for us.
0: 0-0 at half time. DCW second half definitely came out higher tempo from Watford and, and obviously got the goal from Roberto Pereira.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was it was a class goal, and I think I think like the boys would say, I think Palace would go in happier at half time than, than we did. They had the chances, they had the impetus, but. Whatever have he said at half time, or Troy, or whoever the players have got themselves together and they've come out, they've come out flying. And Roberto does what he does best cuts inside, brilliant finish. It was a lovely move to get him in, the, in that place, into that position in the first place. And then we kicked on. We look we looked confident, and it was really important that we got that second goal. A Bit fortuitous, maybe. Holly Bass with a swing of the right foot, but it was, you know, unstoppable shot right in the top corner. But there were a few little nervy moments towards the end, wasn't there? That that header, I don't know, was it was it Sorloff or was it one of the centre-backs who had the header in the last minute? I mean, it looks like to me, three header, six yards out, should have scored, shouldn't he? Jason, I didn't yeah, see—I I couldn't I, see it. Yeah,
0: no, I, I thought it
1: was Sorloff, but obviously it was right up the other end. But yeah, it looked like there was no one anywhere near him. He's obviously, well, I'm guessing he's tried to put it wide of Foster rather than head it straight at him. Um, and he just ended up not getting enough on it and putting it past the uh, the far post. It was, yeah, a lucky escape, I think,
0: there. Jordi, the games against Crystal Palace are always very close, aren't they? So to to come out on top, I I can't remember the last time that we beat them at home. You might remember better than me, but to come away with a 2-1 win, three wins on the bounce, I mean, we're not getting carried away, of course, but great start. Who's not getting carried
2: away? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a fantastic start and, you know, it's a cliche, but nine points at this stage of the season are are nine points towards our end-of-season tally. And I heard someone, um, one of the previews before the game on the radio, and they said if Watford win... They won't. They won't be getting relegated this year because they'll be. They'll have so much in the bank. They'll be able to almost coast the rest of the season, which is ridiculous. But obviously, not getting carried away that we're second and we're going to finish second because I think we can still push up to first. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember the last time we played Palace. Uh, we beat Palace at home. Uh, it'll probably come to me at some point after we finished our conversation. But uh, they are they are close games. Obviously, we had our little um little rivalry in the championship and in the cups and stuff where they. They got, they got one over on us a couple of times, um, you know, even when we came up with AD, we kind of put them out in the playoffs so, and they're quite relatively local, so we're close enough to have friends who are Palace fans, um, so, so yeah, it's always nice to, to, to beat them and it's particularly nice to beat them in front of the TV cameras so everyone around the world can see that we're betting them
3: and they're a good team Crystal Palace I think they'll, they'll they'll beat a lot of people this year I think they played really well against Liverpool on the TV on Monday night they had their moments against us today but we shouldn't underestimate how much of an important victory that is for us they are a team that we need to be finishing above if we want to achieve our aims of getting into the top half and maybe pushing a little bit higher because I think they'll probably be around mid-table they've got some very good players Zaha scored a good goal for all the stick we love to give him you know I was a bit nervous when the when the when the crowd were asking him what the score was with 10 minutes to go and he goes up the other end and promptly sticks one in but that that is a that is a good win against a, a very good team and it's it sets us up lovely for the two games we've got coming up next against Spurs and Manchester United we, you know we got nothing to fear
0: diving into the subject of Wilfred Zaha how do you think we dealt with him other than the goal because I think he when they played him as a second striker, I don't actually think he was that effective. It was when they moved him out wide that he definitely influenced the game
3: more. Yeah, it was almost immediate, wasn't it? And it came in that little period of we'd made a change. It looked like we were slightly unsettled with our shape as well. It came down the right-hand side. It was a good finish. But he had the game that he always has against us. He does show moments. He's undoubtedly their best player. Probably better than Crystal Palace, really. He should be playing for a better club, and I think he will do one day. But you can see, when you see him up close and personal, just how... Sort of petulant he can be, how easy he is to get under the skin of. You know, players are in his ear all the time. The fans are giving him some. We know about Harry the Hornet, of course. And I think he he got a bit wound up again early on. He was he was niggling at at Jan Matt, I think he, he got booked in the early on in the, in the first half as well. So, I think that is his big weakness. He's he's a supremely talented footballer who will have a great career, but it's you know upstairs he, he he loses focus and concentration. And I think you know Crystal Palace fans will be frustrated. Javi yeah, Gracia, sorry Jay, Scott.
1: I was going to say, yeah, there was, there was one um, challenge with Cabaselli, one header against him. He thought he'd been fouled and he spent the next sort of 30 seconds arms in the air, talking to the ref, getting no joy from the ref, going over to the linesman, talking to the linesman, not concentrating on the game. And so, yeah, Dave's right. That, he needs to sort of clear that out of his game,
2: not that we care. Yeah, I was going to say, Javi... Sorry, George. I was going to say, to that point, you know, Dave's saying he's probably better than Palace. It might be because of that, that he's at Palace because he's, he's had his chance at Man United and at, at that level there is no room. You need, you need to be mentally strong as well as an exceptional footballer. And that's why those clubs pay lots of money to bring players from around the world. And maybe he, you know, he's got the talent, certainly on the pitch, that is, exceeds Palace. But the balance means he, he can't make it at a top club.
0: Hathig Grathia named an unchanged team for the third game in a row, which meant Troy Deeney and Andre Gray starting up front again. How do you think they did, Chase?
1: Um I, I think they probably found it a lot more difficult. Um, Sacco's a great centre back, uh, and he—I think—I think I, I he—he think uh, he knocked Troy over at one point. And uh, yes, yeah, not often you see Troy sort of stay down for a little bit. And uh, yeah, Sako is a quality defender. And they—they uh, they found it a little bit harder. I think there were times where they seemed to be playing a little bit further apart than uh, <coughs> than perhaps we saw them against Brighton. Maybe a bit more disjointed. Perhaps that's because Troy was concentrating on his defending a bit more than he was in in the previous games. A, a little bit harder for the guys, but. Again, they've put a shift in. I um, was a little bit surprised that he took Troy off for success. I, I can understand maybe he did it because Troy was the furthest player away from the subs bench when he did it. But then when they got that corner, when they did miss that chance, I just wonder if Troy had been in the box, if the ball had actually got that far, because he would, probably would have been there to, to clear it out.
0: Jordi, was this our midfield's biggest test? And I'm going to be honest, I didn't
2: see it, but the boys on our WhatsApp group were saying that Etienne Kapo was probably lucky to stay on the field. Camelot are based in Watford and the most random thing in Watford is Anthony Taylor's distribution of cards. You know, I mean, there are some yellow cards that were, I mean, textbook yellow cards he didn't give a card for. MacArthur f- um, fouling in Pereira in the first half uh, and then he's given them out randomly, you know, could if it could have been a red card for Capoue, obviously it's hard to see from the stands um, but I think he's probably right not to give it uh, now that I saw it. Come back to your question. Was Etienne Capoue <laughs> lucky to stay on the field and
0: was this the biggest test for our midfield of the three games that we've had
2: uh, probably I mean Burnley don't really test the midfield do they uh, other than their necks as they watch the ball go over <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I think Brighton I guess in the, in the sunshine on the first game of the season we, you know, is a game they didn't give us the challenge they expected so I guess out of the three Palace are probably, the, probably challenged everybody in every position um, because I mean even though uh, Burnley are quite a strong team physically I mean Palace aren't aren't weak and they've got Benteke out there and I just said they had um, Sacco at the back, so they're quite a physical team. So I think I think it's probably the biggest test we've had across the pitch.
0: DCW, three wins. We saw what Brighton did to Manchester United. We know that Burnley are okay, struggling a little bit in the Europa League, but they're coming off of a good season last year. But was
3: this, in your mind, the best win of the three? I can't really speak in terms of performance, because that's the first time I've seen us play for a full 90 minutes in, in the flesh this season. I've only seen the goals in the other two games. But like I said earlier, it, I think it is a massive result. I think Palace are better... Than Brighton and and probably could finish higher than Burnley this season because it looks like Burnley might not quite achieve the feats that they did last season. I think they I think they overperformed last season to be honest as well for all their strengths. Any any win at home in the Premier League is is is, a, is an important win, but I think it's. We've got a real confidence about us at the moment, haven't we? I know we had a few shaky moments today, but we held out, we stuck through it. you know we've seen games like that in the last couple of years where we've, we've, we've given away that late goal and we'll, or we've conceded a penalty or we've thrown away points but we are you know excuse the uh, the cliche, but we are we are buzzing at the moment as, as the hornet fans and Tottenham, have given us a few hidings, haven't they, over the years, uh, in, in, in the Premier League the last few seasons. But they come here next week, and I know they're playing against Manchester United on Monday, so we'll see how they get on. But they, they, they will come here expecting a really difficult game, and I think we'll give them one. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans, from the rookery
2: end.
0: On Wednesday, uh, the third in our series of Catching Up With will be released, the series that we do alongside Lionel Burney. We talked to people who made a difference in Watford's history both on and off the field and in this Mops episode, John went up to St George's Park to speak to former Watford manager, Aidy Boothroyd. We had good characters. I think you're right, I think we all grew together. The fact that we'd all been given an opportunity. Marlon, who was probably a, a
3: really good time in his career, in that he, he was Watford was last chance saloon for him, really. He'd had his troubles. I think we responded well together, me and him, because I, I didn't take any prisoners. I was very clear about what I wanted him to do and what I expected of him and what I didn't expect
0: of him. He was absolutely brilliant for us. Absolutely brilliant. <music> Chaps, on our WhatsApp group, uh, John posed the question, which or what is our strongest partnership? What is our weakest partnership and what's our most important partnership in the team? Evaluating after three games. I'm not going to ask you to put two, I'm not going to suggest which one you do. So I'm going to to, tell you to pick one each. So DCW, I'll go in reverse. So most important,
3: strongest or weakest partnership in the team, who is it and why? At the moment, I I think from what I've seen today and, and based on what we've seen over the last few years, the most important partnership is Cabaselli and Cathcart at the back because we really have lacked over these Premier League seasons a solid consistent central defensive partnership we've had a lot of central defenders who've come in and out we've had a lot of injuries a lot of suspensions and there's never really been two or three that you can completely nail on and say every week they're in the team no, no questions asked and I think we've got the makings of that there I think Cathcart it was a real miss for us when he was injured, he's so calm on the ball, he's assured, he's very experienced. Cavasele I think gets better and better, he was very good today on the cover, made some really important challenges. And, and, and obviously playing in defence is so important about the, that relationship and that communication and that consistency. I think in general the whole team is really benefiting from the consistency of playing together. I raise my voice as the uh, crane comes past, but yeah, I think I think the centre back pairing of, of Cathcart and Caboselli are very important, and hopefully we can have them in the team for a long time together. So, you already DCW picked the
0: most important partnership. You're going for strongest
2: or weakest, and who is it and why? I think I think Mike would struggle to pick the weakest one after three wins on the balance. I think it'd be difficult to, to pull out or to start pulling out people saying that that's a weakness. Um, I don't think we have any particularly weaknesses. I think what we saw today. Um, with the, with the chances that Palace had, is that when we come up against teams that are clinical, those chances will be taken, and we won't be allowed to to wait until the second half to get our goals if we give those chances away. So I think it's less around, around partnerships between individuals or, or two individuals, like you'd say the two centre backs or the Kouré and Kapu, Dini and so forth, all, all the wings. I think I think it's. It's, it's kind of not answering the question, I think. It's, but it's, I don't think I, think that it's, I don't think there's two people whose partnership is so, so important that it, it outranks everyone else. I think, depending on who we play, depending on, on what, we're, what our tactics are in that particular game, you might say, well, you know, Troy and Andre is the most important thing because we're going to be attacking. You might say, we've identified a weakness or they've got a good player on one wing, so the, the, the wing, the, fullback and the and the and the wide player need, need to be particularly strong. I think we need to work hard. And I think what's going to be interesting is when we start bringing in the likes of Kiko and Messina. Uh, you know, we get uh, De La Feu and people like that coming back in, Is are they going to be able to hit the ground and, and have that kind of relationship with the players? Because it's obviously yeah. they working on the training pitch, but the players have been injured. You know, Chalabar when he comes back, we know what he can do, but will he be able to slot in as well? So it remains to be seen. I think I think the, the, the challenge is to keep those partnerships going and, and to make sure that what is needed, so if, if what we need is the winger to track back on a particular day, that they do that and it isn't just a good partnership when the full-back's overlapping it's, it's what we need for that game
0: so Jace, that leaves you with strongest partnership
1: okay I've got to say I was <laughs> I'm not, not really sure what Johnny was going right. for it was the strongest or weakest because well, I was I, I, what I was going to say I was actually going to talk about a, uh, a partnership where I was a little bit concerned in the first half there might be a weakness if, if that's alright <laughs> go for it uh, um Decore and Kapu, they've done well, no doubt about that. It's August, Kapu's still enjoying himself. Um, but we did have a little bit of a problem first half. Kapu obviously picked up that yellow card early on. And then we seem to be struggling from the fact that we didn't have a sort of a natural holding midfielder. Uh, and Palace, what they were doing very well was that MacArthur was sort of making late runs. They were holding the ball up, so they got a great sort of man to do that in Benteke. Holding the ball up in the middle, MacArthur's running through sort of our midfield, centre backs were otherwise occupied and he was finding space and that's where we found we had to foster saving us or with the last ditch tackle saving us and that sort of lack of a natural holding midfielder did worry me for a bit we seem to sort it out in the second half and i don't really know how or why that's why i'm not a football manager um, but it, <laughs> but it's a partnership that's done well so far as Geordie said, it'll be interesting to see what happens when um, when other players come back. When Delaffei comes back, do you move Hughes into a more central role? Maybe drop Capu. I, I, I don't know. It's
0: it's he naturally gets dragged in, doesn't he? Will Hughes? There were times where he left Daryl Yanmat a little bit isolated.
1: Which which yeah, which he's done. I think yeah, in all the games this season, and possibly has been told to do that as well. Anyway, right wing is not his natural position. You always expect Yanmat to. To be given space attacking-wise, it's great because it gives him yeah space to exploit and attack. Whereas yeah, defensively it's a little bit harder. He's got to get back out. There will Hughes is good enough to do that. I think he's he's sort of tenacious. He's quick and he's strong. and He will get back outside. But it yeah, those without a sort of natural holding midfielder in the middle, I think it causes uh, a few problems and, and it could have been a different result if uh, if we didn't have those saves or saving tackles uh, in the first half. <laughs>
0: Out next Thursday is the fourth and final episode of Hornet Heaven Series 7. And with Spurs up next here at the Vic, here's another preview from Johnny Goodall, the club's first manager and the fo- the father of the club, Henry Grover. And there can only be one way to preview a game against Tottenham. Henry and Johnny's Premier
1: League previews. You know, Johnny... I think we should discuss the Tottenham game in a manner appropriate to our opponents.
3: Good idea, Henry. I'll be Charles, and you be Dave. Uchau, U-cha. cow son. Uchau, U-cha. U-cha.
1: When the Orns play Tottenham at the Vic. Uchau. U-cha. When they find that Kiku is too quick. Uchau. U-cha. When Decorey won't give up the ball. U-cha. When Cabaselli makes Harry Kane look small When Pereira sticks one in the net When Josie Holabas makes them all upset When Troy Deeney smashes number two
3: And Spurs defenders don't know what to do
1: 2-0 to the Orms 2-0 to the Orms
0: Oh, that was fun, Henry. Yes, it's poked me up no end. I'm really looking forward to the game now. You're obviously feeling more optimistic than I am. We've not beaten them in the Premier League so far. Oh, don't be like that, Johnny. We've had a great start to the season, perhaps we will this time. I mean, we've beaten all the bees so far. Oh I mean, uh, we've beaten Brighton and Burnley. Yes, I got what you meant, Henry. chance we've had the Hornet Heaven preview of Tottenham next Sunday back here at the Vic our record at home wasn't very good against Crystal Palace we've won our record against Tottenham at home isn't very good DCW how do you see that one potentially
3: panning out it's, it's going to be a very very difficult game I think most Watford fans would probably be very very happy with the point if, if you were offered it now you would take it but hey, you drew one all last year didn't we with them it was a bit of a controversial game um, but I just I've just got visions of that game was it on Boxing Day or New Year's Day or something the season before when they completely took us apart and it was one of the most embarrassing performances I can remember seeing as a Watford fan and Spurs have got it in them to embarrass us again if we're not at the races, if we're not completely, you know, if we do defend like we did in, in patches today, as, as, as Jordi says, clinical teams, Harry Kane gets those chances, he probably scores them. If that's Yang Vertonghen at the end with that header, he probably scores. So we've got to be right on it, but we couldn't be going into the game in any better shape. We, we're full of confidence, we're playing well. The atmosphere at the VIC's very good with you know have, have his record at home is excellent. Hopefully we can we can start getting that away from home as well now. But it's it's gonna be a really, really tough game. Tottenham, everyone looks at them and says, oh they've signed no players, that they're gonna finally sort of they're gonna drop back, are they gonna tread water when they're gonna win a trophy? They're still one of the best teams in the league, as we've seen already this season. They've won the first two games. I think they'll probably beat Manchester United on Monday night and you know, come in, come to the VIC with a, a battle for, for second place on their hands next week. Jay, a tactics man. Three games on the trot,
0: 4-4-2. Gray and Dini up front against a well, no question, stronger opposition. Do you change anything, and if so, what?
1: It, it, it's, we've given him, a, given having a decision to make here, and we've another, another sort of decent and performance and win today. So, do you, yeah, do you change the lineup, or do you stick with the same lineup and then make little in-game tweaks to? To deal with the opposition, I think that's what he did today. To deal with Zaha, and I think that's what he'll do again um, against Tottenham next week. I think he'll go with the same starting eleven because they've shown themselves quite obviously that they're, they're good enough at the moment. Um, so I think in that case, I wouldn't wouldn't change any of the uh, starting players. But again, he'll probably work with the team during the week to work out how we stop their threats. So like they said, Kane, quality player. Can't give him any room. He's he's very mobile. It'll be dragging our players all over the pitch. We need to make sure that we sort of keep it tight, keep it narrow, keep it compact, and try not
0: to get dragged around by Harry Kane and his mobility. We can take some comfort from the fact that Harry Kane usually comes into September not having scored a goal, or he's had his barren spell in August. He's already broken that this season. Jordy we talked about three games three wins now we would never think going into a game we can afford a loss or anything like that but can we maybe go into there that game against Tottenham a little bit more relaxed if it was three defeats on the spin for example it makes that game all the more important but with nine points on the board already can we maybe go in there
2: and, and maybe even enjoy it a little bit more well, we can uh, I don't think we should I think we need to go and, and take it seriously you know we're, we're, we're doing ver- Better than anyone expected us to do. I think we need to continue that momentum for as long as possible because we know how our momentum works in football. And there's no guarantees, and we're going to have games where we don't get the rubber of the green or things don't go our way, and it'll all balance out at some point, And hopefully, we can just finish above where we where we finished last season and and push on a little bit. I don't think we can. I don't think we can go into the game relaxed. I think we need to go in there very much focused, very much in a high intensity. Take it to Tottenham. See if we can see if we can get the first goal. You know, we shouldn't go there and be scared of them. It's not like a, a cup match where we're like a League Two side and we're, you know, hoping to keep a little bit of credibility. We we can we can beat them, you know. It's not not beyond us. And I think as long as we stop Kieran Trippier crossing it into Harry Kane, as as they seem to do every time they play against us for for a goal then they you know, will have a chance. I think that is, a, that is
3: an area of concern, actually. If you look at, the you know obviously, all of their players are very good and they've got threats all over the pitch. But the delivery of Trippier and Davis on the other side is a real source of, of, of goals and, and of good play for them. And with our narrow midfield that we've been playing this season, you might find ourselves that our fullbacks are going to have a you know a lot to do. Holly Bass and Jan on their day, very good, but they can also at their moments where they don't cover themselves in glory defensively as well. So they're going to have to be on their game and our wide players, Hughes or Pereira, they're going to have to be working hard to, to, to make sure we nullify those threats in wide areas.
0: Jay's final one from you. Can we make it four wins out of four against Tottenham? I think in my
1: predictions, if I remember rightly, I think I put a defeat down. But I didn't think we were going to win today. So I had I'd won all for this one. I didn't take into account Holabassy's cross.
0: <laughs> um, so So, yeah. Why not let's let's go for it come on come on let's be positive come on indeed let's be positive thank you very much for listening to this edition of from the rookery end thank you very much jace thank you thanks jordy cheers thanks dcw thank you sure the lineup will be back to normal next week if not close to so thank you very much for tuning in come on you all